0: Hi, my name is James Andrella, and you're listening to the Back to Human podcast. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about America's number one drug. And no, I'm not talking about weed or cocaine. And depending on where you look or who you ask, some people may not even consider this a drug. What we will be discussing today is probably in your pantry, or it might actually be part of your morning ritual. We are going to be talking about caffeine. On a preface this episode by saying that I've recently kicked the habit of drinking coffee. I have been a month, I guess, sober now. I got my one-month chip, and this would be my third go-around, and I suppose that the third time is the charm, hopefully. This time is a bit different because I did a bit more research, and I have some more knowledge in my hands that I didn't have during previous attempts. And while going through withdrawal experiences, I kind of intuitively just knew that there is no way that this stuff can truly be healthy for us if you experience these withdrawal-like symptoms. So joining me on the show today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Steven Tranisky. Steven is the author of Caffeine Blues, Wake Up to the Hidden Dangers of America's Number One Drug, and also the "DHA Breakthrough, as well as the metabolic makeover. He is also the host of a website called the Healthy Skeptics, which helps sift through some of the BS that we see advertised in the health space today. He hosts this along with his wife and their motto is what to explore, what to ignore. As mentioned, today we'll be exploring no longer ignoring caffeine or coffee. Without further ado, Stephen, welcome to the show. James, thanks for
1: being uh, here for all your viewers and listeners. I'm happy to contribute.
0: Thank you so much, brother. So I personally know because I've read the Caffeine Blues book now, but I want to know what was your awakening moment like when it comes to caffeine or coffee as a stimulant drug?
1: Well, I was, uh, for seven years, um, starting in 1972, uh, I was in a yoga ashram and, uh, and so obviously there was, there was, it was a vegetarian diet and no caffeine, um, no stimulants were used. Uh, we were focused squarely on, on yoga meditation. And, uh, and so, the, you know, as soon, as soon as I, um, well, actually, before I even left the ashram, I, I picked up a couple more courses on, on biochemistry, and and started working in a in a medical clinic as a nutritionist, and then I was a dietitian for a nearby hospital. Long story short, I I, I would ask people about their intake of caffeine, and I was shocked that people really had no idea um, how much caffeine they were consuming. Part of that is because. It, we, we tend to consume more and more and more as our body becomes more tolerant. We don't get the buzz we once got when we were back in college. We're looking for that buzz. And so all of a sudden, your little cup of coffee becomes a mug and your mug becomes, you know, a, a, a Starbucks. <laughs> the most common size of Starbucks, of course, is actually a little over three cups of coffee because the cup is defined as six ounces. Um, and so so we have a tendency to not understand how much caffeine we're consuming. And so, first of all, that was kind of shocking to me. And I would explain to people, hey, um, what would you think if you, you went to the doctor and your doctor wrote a prescription for a powerful drug, uh, and then you looked at the prescription on your way out and you said, well, oh, hold on, doc, uh, how much of this should I take? And the doctor says, oh, however much you like just however much you want to take you. you would not you're right so we have to understand that caffeine is a powerful drug and that everything is dose related and the more you take the more effects and side effects you're going to have so that was it was a wake-up call for me that people that i was counseling had no idea uh, how much coffee they were consuming, how many energy drinks they were consuming and what effect that was having on their on their uh, quality of life. One quick comment, which I'll make, which is one of the most common responses. Uh, what I would suggest to the person who was seeing me when their primary concern was fatigue? When I would suggest to them that we had to start winding down on their caffeine intake, the most common response was, and you're going to, you're going to, you'll know what it is where am I going to get energy? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I had to remind them, you don't have a caffeine deficiency. <laughs> caffeine is not giving you energy. This is the illusion of energy. So let's talk about that. Yeah,
0: Yeah. so as you mentioned, it's it's an illusion, and there's plenty of jokes, there's plenty of memes that are going around the internet, it's like, don't talk to me until I've had my coffee, things like that, so for myself, what I kind of saw it as, and justified it as, was a ritual, so it was kind of like my morning ritual process, where I'd wake up, I would drink water uh, before caffeinating, I suppose that's better, Uh, because caffeine can be dehydrating, Um, but it was this ritual process, and once I did kick it, I was kind of just scourging around, trying to find something in order to replace it, and I I think that is probably where maybe a lot of people start, but then, as you mentioned, it's a drug, and then it's not regulated, which I do want to ask, why is it not regulated? But it starts off as this, and once we develop a tolerance, we just need more and more and more of it. So it's like it's this drug that is just out there and it doesn't require a prescription, but everyone can purchase it. So why isn't it regulated?
1: Well, the the <laughs> if it if 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 you invented caffeine and you went to the FDA and you said, here's this drug that I've invented, Um, I I would like you to approve it. The FDA would say, hell no, (laughs) you got a lot of work to do before we'll approve this drug. So let's get that straight. If you were to invent caffeine today, it would never be approved Mm -hmm. as a as a food or beverage, right? It would have to be in the drug category. But because caffeine has been such a part of our life for so long, I mean, we're talking centuries, um, it has just been kind of weaved into our culture and our psyche and our our diet in such a way that it's just, you know, and there's also also commercial reasons. Uh, Coca-Cola, for example, um, never likes to talk about caffeine uh, even though they lace their products with caffeine. And the reason they do that is to addict people. And the reason I know that is because caffeine doesn't taste good. <laughs> caffeine tastes terrible. And so when you take synthetic caffeine and you add it to your beverage, whether it's Coca-Cola, Pepsi-Cola, Dr. Pepper, um, or any of the monster Red Bull, when you add caffeine to those, to those products, you have to mask <laughs> the the horrible taste so no one likes to talk about caffeine if you go to you know coca-cola and you ask them about why do you put caffeine in your beverage <laughs> since caffeine tastes wretched <laughs> they they don't they don't like to talk about that it's in there so that you become addicted to their product in fact when you look at the data about as many people uh, are addicted and have problems dealing with their addiction with diet coke then have have sought medical help for their addiction to coffee hmm. so that's serious and significant anyway yeah it's not regulated nor will it ever be oh, it's only recent that the fda has started requesting they don't they don't force you but they're strongly requesting you to disclose the amount of caffeine in your beverage hmm.
0: Now
1: that's only recent for a long time, all the while I was doing research for Caffeine Blues, nobody was disclosing the amount of caffeine that they were putting in their beverage, including Coca-Cola.
0: Why would you if you have this product that is highly addicting and people don't know about it? They don't know why they're addicted to it. They don't know why they can't cut it without these issues. So yeah. if, if it's not regulated and there's no one forcing you to do so, of course, it's just like, like infinite profit, infinite income. So what uh, so you mentioned that the I guess the the most purchased coffee at Starbucks is three times the size of uh, what should be a typical cup of coffee. Now, how much caffeine, if you know, because I know you have some sample sizes there just to give some people a little bit more insight into how much they're actually consuming, because most people probably have no idea they assume a cup of coffee is that big thermos. <laughs> so yeah. how much is in there and how much would be in like a typical Coca-Cola? Okay,
1: well, a cup of point? coffee is de- is is defined as six ounces, right? So a teacup is six ounces. That's 100 milligrams of caffeine. Um, a standard mug um, is one and one half cups of coffee, right? So that's 150 milligrams of caffeine. The, the most common starbuck serving is three cups of coffee so again that's 300 milligrams of caffeine and and so this gets 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 fairly serious when you start adding uh, the the caffeine that you're consuming over in the day uh and you start adding you know energy drinks with 100 milligrams of caffeine per per eight eight ounce can um then you start getting way up towards a gram of 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 caffeine and that's when things really start getting hairy Uh, Because at that point, even a rapid metabolizer, and we're going to talk about the difference between a rapid and a slow metabolizer, but at a gram, at a thousand milligrams of caffeine, even a rapid metabolizer is going to have adverse side effects. Um, And and there are people who, who, you know, came to me, again, their primary the complaint was fatigue and they're coming to me and and they're drinking a pot of coffee um, in in the morning so they're literally brewing a pot of coffee and consuming the entire pot which is god knows how many probably eight cups of coffee Uh, and that's before noon i mean these same people would often reach for a diet coke with lunch um, and then later on you know a hit of 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 star of some uh, energy drink to get through the day Uh, and so we tend to kind of make it through our day with caffeine hit after caffeine hit after caffeine hit and then we wonder why uh, we have migraine headaches we wonder why we can't sleep at night we wonder why we'll get to sleep but then we wake up and can't get back to sleep or we wonder why we wake up in the morning we don't feel rested Mm -hmm. um the vicious cycle uh is is very clear uh you're consuming caffeine at a level which is not healthy for you uh and so you're waking up and you feel like you've been hit by a bus what's the thing you reach for <laughs> caffeine you reach for the caffeine and so you dig yourself into this hole and you get deeper and deeper into this hole and at a certain point it's really hard to
0: get out mm-hmm. And it's got you like first thing in the morning, too. So you haven't had your fix of it for six to eight hours of whatever quality of sleep that may have been, which is probably not so great due to the yeah. caffeine. So it's literally got you very first thing in the morning. And it's it's uh, just kind of weaseled its way into our lives where it's like one of our best friends. Yeah, I can't leave the house until I get this coffee. Then they're going to consume it at lunch. And there's even people I know, uh, like Latin culture, they'll have it at night. They'll have it before bed. Yeah, some of them get to sleep. So you mentioned that that caffeine does not provide us energy. And when you were trying to get people to kick the habit, I'm sure you were met with so much resistance like how I can't do that. So if caffeine doesn't provide us energy, what exactly is it doing to give us this alert state?
1: Well, you just use the right word, which is alert state. Um, caffeine stimulates uh the adrenals to produce uh epinephrine and 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 cortisol so the the immediate so it's the same it's the same you know flight or flight fight or flight response that you get from um i like to say a slap in the face or or a, or an unfortunate encounter with a saber toothed tiger i mean the fight or flight response kept us alive for you know millions of years and so that's built into our cells but when you do that you know because again I, if I, I woke up this morning and if i said to my wife hey honey slap me in the face as hard as you can um you know she wouldn't do that but imagine if somebody slapped you in the face and you said boy that really you know i really feel alert now thanks honey but you'd never say, hey, honey, slap me again at 10, slap me again at noon, (laughs) slap me again at two o'clock in the afternoon. So the idea is that the caffeine simply stimulates the nervous system and the adrenals to, to raise the, raise us into a fight or flight kind of metabolic state and that feels like energy doesn't it because you're more alert than you were 10 minutes before but it isn't energy at all Mm -hmm. no one is tired because of a caffeine deficiency and so when you look at that and understand oh well then you have to ask yourself the question well where does energy really come from how do i really produce more energy because i'm tired and and you know and part of the reason you're tired is that you were depending on this fix Uh, to create energy and over a period of time you're less able to manufacture your own energy which is produced in the cells of your body and there are ways and you know we talk about that in you know the book that i wrote with my wife you know the metabolic makeover we're specifically talking about where energy really comes from um, and why you should pay attention uh, because as we age we produce less and less energy um, and if you produce less energy, that means you produce less repair. You produce less repair, that means you accumulate damage, and that, therefore the, all of the sequelae of, of aging uh, as we know it. But you can intervene early on, um, and, and the first intervention you know, is always to <laughs> stop drinking so much caffeine mm-hmm. in
0: all of its various forms. I know that's probably very confusing for some people to hear because they probably would not be able to envision themselves being able to operate without caffeine, without that first cup of coffee in the morning. So it stimulates the adrenals and it keeps us in this kind of chronic state of fight or flight, which I don't know if it would be the same level and you could elaborate on this, but the same level as being like chased by a bear in the woods or the saber-toothed tiger or being slapped in the face i don't know if it like peaks exactly like that but we're constantly stimulating this and what i personally realized with kicking my habit within a month was the tension in my shoulders and my neck and i i'm a recent parent i know you're a recent grandparent or to a new one anyway uh but i thought i was like getting by i thought i was good i was operating well throughout the day i was able to work out and such But I did have this this kind of like lingering neck pain that really wasn't going away and some little nagging uh, lat uh, injury that I was experiencing. And as soon as I got rid of the caffeine, I was more mobile in my neck. I didn't realize that this was there. So for a lot of the listeners that are, are tuning in right now, there could be things that have been going on in the background for years, for decades that you would never have attributed to your caffeine and coffee intake. And that's really one of the reasons why I wanted to do this episode and have Steven on here is because I didn't realize this myself. So once I kicked the habit, I really started to feel much more mobile and even happier. One of the things that he mentions in the book is they've received, uh, he's received testimonials of people that for the first time actually feel like themselves And this rang very true to me, I underlined it like three times, I put a star next to it. And I left notes in the back of the book to come back to this, because it's very true. Now with my caffeine uh, addiction, I would say, admittedly, um, before going to coffee, I was drinking monster drinks, or monster, quote, unquote, energy drinks, or bang energy drinks, prior to transitioning to what I considered or thought at the time was a healthier alternative, which would have been coffee, because I know that in some spaces it's touted as having these neuroprotective, uh, neuroprotective benefits, which I think Steven would probably argue. Um, but yeah, tension just went away, kind of melted away. And I honestly felt like myself for the first time in years, I was extremely happy, like a smile from ear to ear on my face. Uh, my partner thought I was going crazy. so. With that in mind, hopefully some people will resonate with that and may actually convince you to look at your caffeine intake. But
1: well, James, you, you just hit on on a very important point, and I I I want to underscore that that caffeine is a pro-inflammatory chemical. Um, and there's a lot of people who who are in the same situation as you where they have chronic inflammation, which produces tension in the muscles, tension, especially in the shoulders and neck. I saw that hundreds of times with hundreds of clients uh, that when they got off the caffeine, the tension in their shoulders and necks, um, you know, dramatic, dramatically improved. So you, you hit upon a really important point, which is caffeine is a pro-inflammatory compound um, and, and, and needs to be understood as such because inflammation, uh, and, you know, talk to any professor of physiology, um, and, and ask them what's the number one damaging force in human physiology and it's inflammation mm-hmm. uh, not just the inflammation in our shoulders and neck and in our joints and the cause you know pain inflammation drives all forms of dementia inflammation drives all three stages of cancer inflammation is the silent killer and that's not, not my opinion that's that's been the the topic of hundreds of scientific studies so to put caffeine in the pro-inflammatory
0: category it's really important for people to get mm-hmm. no absolutely and people are just consuming this willy-nilly without really any realization that it is causing inflammation throughout their body not only in the shoulders and i i guess when i mentioned the the peak where it doesn't feel like you're being chased by a bear because you're not going to get some people may just depending on how much caffeine they are ingesting you're not going to feel your heart part pounding, but it's there. It's like a low-grade chronic stressor. It It is. And we have to
1: understand that, you know, so I wrote Caffeine Blues in 1998. Five years later, it was discovered that there is a genetic factor, which is really important for us to talk about here uh, because there are people listening to this podcast who are thinking, you know, I drink caffeine and I have no adverse effects and it's perfectly fine. And what are you talking about? Um, and so those people are probably rapid metabolizers. Um, you know, I've got a, a, a you know a, an article from the Journal of American Medical Association, um, and this was this was much later. This is all the way uh, into 2006, uh, and the title is Coffee, uh, cypa one uh, genotype and the risk of myocardial infarction. So what they're talking about here is so so five years after I wrote the book it was found that, that roughly half of people in North America, they only studied um, you know, people in the Amer- in, in, uh, U.S. and Canada, they found that about half of the people were rapid metabolizers, which means that the the the, the enzyme system in the liver that detoxifies caffeine, because as soon as caffeine is absorbed, and it's absorbed rapidly, by the way, an entire dose of caffeine is completely absorbed 45 minutes after you drink it um and so it's a rapidly absorbed and, and 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 about half of the people that you know are are rapid metabolizers which means the enzyme system that detoxifies caffeine is very active but the other half of the people that you know are slow metabolizers and this is determined by genetics and then and then what what the article in gemma brought up which was really important is they said hey Wow, so, so some people metabolize caffeine rapidly and other people metabolize caffeine slowly. We ought to see if there's a connection between your genetic status, slow or fast, and heart attack. Guess what? <laughs> it is. <laughs> As the study concludes, intake of coffee was associated with an increase, increased risk of heart attack, but only among individuals with slow caffeine metabolism. Now, isn't that interesting? Which means that your rapid metabolizers, and this puts into perspective all the conflicting research that you're gonna read about coffee and caffeine, because the people who are doing the research didn't separate the rapid metabolizers from the slow metabolizers. So of course, you're gonna get mixed messages. You're gonna get all kinds of information that's conflicting. But when you understand that half of the people out there Half of the people that you know are slow metabolizers, which means that that third cup of coffee or that cup of coffee at 3 p.m., it's going to affect their sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, it might not cause the rapid heartbeat, right? <laughs> it might not cause the sweaty palms and the increase in blood pressure because all those effects become, you become tolerant to those effects and they become less and less the, the longer you drink coffee so it's really important that we know that there are lots of people out there who say oh, i could drink four cups of coffee at you know two o'clock in the afternoon and i sleep like a baby well bravo for you but you let's talk to your wife <laughs> <laughs> because women by the way have smaller livers than men which means that that enzyme system that detoxifies caffeine is is not as active as as your you know 180 pound husband. This 130 pound wife is gonna have a much harder time detoxifying caffeine compared to her husband. Um, and she doesn't know, you know, why he's snoring as she can't she can't get to sleep. Mm.
0: So the the slow and rapid metabolizers, I guess this would have to do with like the half-life of caffeine, because I've read anywhere between the half-life of caffeine, it could be anywhere between seven. To nine hours or so and yeah. i've always been curious why they label a half-life instead of actually just how long is it going to take to get out of your system but with the multiple cup cups of coffee not just in the morning or not the diet soda and such in the uh, at lunch and in the evening i gotta imagine that this has a, a cumulative effect accumulative effect and what impact does this have on our sleep because as a new dad i considered that the baby waking up in the middle of the night was the part of the reason why i was struggling with this lingering issue but as i mentioned once i cut the caffeine i was good within a few days so what i've read in your book is that the caffeine really kind of destroys or disrupts your deep sleep which is when your body would be recovering correct
1: that's that's absolutely correct and 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 that's a part of of sleep Uh, research which is becoming more um more well understood and and that is there's four levels of sleep Um, and it's only in the fourth level of sleep that you actually have um, a dramatic increase in immune activity you have the the stimulation of growth hormone uh, from the pituitary that only happens in s4 sleep um, and so, you know, growth hormone is critically important for the maintenance of all the structures of the human body. Um, it's not just a growth hormone, it's a growth and repair hormone. And that stimulation happens in S4 sleep. Uh, immune activity, as I mentioned, in S4 sleep. There is all kinds of repair functions, repair functions in the brain that are triggered in S4 sleep. Um, and none of that happens if you go to bed on caffeine. You may get to sleep. But unless you spend time in in deep sleep, um, you're not going to get all those restorative and regenerative benefits uh, that are so critically important, again, especially as we get older, um, because repair capacity declines for a dozen reasons. But one of them is that we tend to just reach for that energy drink or that caffeine because we're kind of we're not producing as much energy. And there's multiple reasons for that, the loss of muscle mass. 70% of all the energy of your life, I'll say it again, 70% of all the energy of your life comes from your muscles. (laughs) Isn't that wild? So as we lose muscle mass, we become more tired. Uh, Because we're tired, we stop exercising. Because we stop exercising, we start gaining weight. And the whole vicious cycle continues Um, and so we tend to lean more on caffeine to kind of feel that same sense of alertness that we once had when we were
0: younger. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to see actually like a bigger picture there now that you mentioned all that because, uh, growth hormone is going to help you retain the muscle mass. So if we're not getting it in the S4 sleep, then we're going to lose muscle mass and also, um, it can help or can help. It's not going to actually help you, but it can lead to people getting sick more frequently because their immune system is going to be hampered by this as well. And also I know that there's a DHEA connection as well. I'm going to let you go into that because I have not personally researched that too much, but I know that you refer to it as the, like a vitality hormone. So it's a youthfulness hormone, which would kind of coincide with growth hormone as well. So I'm seeing that we're losing muscle mass we're going to lose energy. I've read before in other work, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Dr. Jerry Tennant, but he mentions like the muscles are batteries. So that makes perfect sense where if you're losing muscle mass, then yeah, you're not going to be able to have nearly as much energy. And then with a uh, growth hormone, growth hormone is also going to help you burn fat mm-hmm. and combining this with the DHEA picture, I know that cortisol, so cortisol is going to be released by the adrenals. Cortisol is going to be catabolic, so it's also going to contribute to muscle wasting if it's elevated and, and chronically elevated for long periods of time. So I'm, I'm really starting to see how this could actually contribute to the loss of energy, loss of muscle mass, more people getting sick more frequently, and the more that, more that they consume. And what I see here is that if it is a cumulative effect of caffeine, where the half life half life is X amount of hours, and people keep ingesting it, the the half life has been kind of just extended for this yes. this long period of time. So we always have caffeine in our system if we are doing this.
1: Yeah, goes and and so the cumulative effect. The first thing you mentioned, I'm gonna like I put a highlighter on because the cumulative effect is a very real phenomenon, that with multiple doses of caffeine during the day, you will tend to get a cumulative effect where cortisol levels never fall. Remember also, because you also mentioned DHEA, really important uh, uh, point. DHEA is primarily synthesized in the adrenals. In the same region of, you know, your, your adrenals are only about as big as the end of your thumbs. They're sitting on top of your kidneys and they're responsible for producing the, a raft of hormones that are critically important for your, for your health. And, and the zona reticularis, uh, which is the particular area of the adrenal gland, that that, that zone it produces both cafe, produces DHEA and cortisol. So when you're constantly stimulating your adrenals to produce cortisol, what do you think happens to DHEA? <laughs> that, that, that small area of this small gland... Um, is is not going to be able to produce the DHEA. And and that's when the wheels come off the bus because DHEA is the most comprehensive repair signal in the entire body and brain. Uh, I'll say that again. DHEA is the most comprehensive repair signal in your entire body and brain. It's it's primarily synthesized in the adrenals, but it also is made in your brain. DHEA is made in your brain for the purpose of repair, and regeneration by the way um and so anything that is reducing your ability to produce dhea you got to look at that and ask yourself wait what road am i traveling
0: down Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so the the cortisol has an inverse relationship with the dha cortisol goes up dha goes down yeah always in a seesaw relationship and a dha is also a precursor to uh, our sex hormones, so testosterone, estrogen. So uh, theoretically, if you are ingesting a lot of caffeine, a lot of coffee, uh, would testosterone go down? Then could you see that? It, happen?
1: It, it tends to because again, uh, you know, we have you know we men have have two sources of of testosterone. Women only have one, which is their adrenals. Um. So so it affects women a lot more. Um. And and don't forget because we have two sources of testosterone um, we we have a much easier way to maintain our muscle mass women after age 40 unless you are paying close attention uh, after age 40 a, a woman is in deep metabolic trouble because it's 10 years before her doctor will mention something about hormones but by age 40, she's already producing less than half of the testosterone that she produced when she was 20. I'll say that again for all the women who are listening. Between the ages of 20 and 40, you lose 50% of your testosterone. That's because your DHA levels are plummeting. Um, and and so because of that, um, you you go to the gym and work out and you, you you work out like crazy and you don't see any results at all. And so ultimately you give up. You say, oh, what the hell? <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna work my ass off for for no visible benefit. Well, the reason that you so you see no visible benefit is you've got no testosterone. Mm-hmm.
0: Ugh, don't get me started. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're here. So if you want to go into that, and that's actually what I want to get into next, I do want to touch on uh, one more point. You said it where it's like people have this tolerance to pain that becomes their new norm. So that's their new status quo. So if you ask someone, "Hey, how you doing today?" I'm good. Meanwhile, it's like, yeah, I've been dealing with this elbow pain, with this shoulder tension for a few months, but yeah, it's okay. I'm not getting any worse yet at the moment. And it, uh, I've used this quote in the past. Um, one of my mentors have said it, where it's like you're sleeping on a bed of nails. So if you've always slept on a bed of nails your entire life and you've never known anything different, but meanwhile someone offers you a nice comfortable bed to sleep for a night, which would be in this case ditching the caffeine ditching the coffee it's like you would never know how much pain that you've been in for this length of time so something to consider anyone that is listening to this and is triggered by the fact that i may be suggesting that you should look at kicking the habit of drinking coffee so getting into oh go ahead if you want to well i just wanted to say it's an
1: experiment which is worth which is worth conducting
0: (laughs) yeah and I think you mentioned in your book too, is like, I'm only asking you to do this for a certain amount of time. If you want, you can always go back. You can always go back. Yeah. If you feel like you have a caffeine deficiency, it's right there for you. <laughs> so, all right, let's, uh. so let's go into women now because women are much different than men. Uh, I don't think a lot of women would actually consider the fact that their testosterone is low because that's, I, uh, most people think testosterone men, but women do need a certain amount of testosterone. So it affects women differently. Obviously, they're smaller; they may not metabolize it nearly as fast. So, caffeine and, and
1: birth birth control pills utilize the same detoxification pathway. So, women on birth control pills, even if they're rapid metabolizers, um, have a much a much you know harder time to detoxify caffeine. Um, so, there's that that issue also. Yeah, hmm.
0: throwing another cog into the wheel there, or yeah. sticking to the wheel. So for the for women, them ingesting caffeine could be even more detrimental to their health. No doubt. What about for pregnant or breastfeeding mothers? Will this affect the baby?
1: Ah, uh, yes. Uh, caffeine goes right into the breast milk, and so it will absolutely affect the baby. And it would lead
0: to things like, uh, I would the baby become addicted to caffeine then. Like how much do you know would be getting <laughs> theoretical? it, it
1: will theoretically yes the, the the baby could become addicted to caffeine because again it, it appears in the breast milk fairly quickly um but the main thing is you're, you're thinking of you know a, a, a baby's how important is sleep <laughs> to a baby you know it's critically important for the baby and the parents because you know if you've got a colicky baby a baby that's fussy a baby that's that's, that's that can't relax all all, there's a reason why you know pregnant and lactating
0: women are strongly advised not to drink caffeine Hmm. it 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 seems like one of the things they would want to go to too because if they're already struggling with a lack of sleep and obviously they're doing so much work god bless women like it's difficult for them to actually get through the day so their caffeine or their coffee may actually be their savior or may seem to be their savior in that moment yeah what what about women that are going through menopause? As you mentioned, the hormones. How would this affect them?
1: Uh, it it again. It tends to you know if, if you've got low levels of DHEA, um, and I'll say it again. DHEA is the only source of testosterone, uh, and and for a woman and a woman after menopause, it is her only source of estrogens, right? So DHEA is this critical factor which as you go into menopause where you're producing zero dhea uh, which means that you're producing not zero dhea zero testosterone and very little estrogen and then the longer you get into your mid 50s and early 60s you're now at a point where dhea is your only source of sex steroids so understand that that th- these are critical stages in a woman's life and conventional medicine ignores DHEA okay. because DHEA can't be patented, because it can't be patented. There's no drug company that's pushing it. No one is coming to the doctor's office as a rep, you know, to give them free samples to hand out to their patients. All of conventional medicine is geared towards medicating uh, with with drugs that, that can make the drug companies billions of dollars. Why do you think no one is talking about DHEA? i said it before 10 years before menopause that woman is already suffering the dire consequences of low testosterone and her conventional doctor would never in a million years test for that Mm. (laughs) hello yeah the reason i don't mean to go crazy here but for women who are listening they don't like strong women
0: Mm. Let that sink in for a second. I don't think they like strong humans, period. But <laughs> definitely, yeah, we got to protect our women. Yeah, uh, I work with some women where they're going through menopause, and obviously they deal with the the heat flashes and such. They're offered hormones. So, would you say that that is the route that they need to take, or? Have no. you personally uh, worked with women that are going through menopause where if they kick something like caffeine out, where they start to see a tremendous either reduction in these hot flashes or what, what have you personally seen? Well, I'm married to a double board certified family
1: practice physician who specializes in women's health. Um, so, you know- <laughs> I need to get her on. She can go, go get Natalie. Uh, but, but you know, she she always points out that the hormones that are recommended, uh, you know, to a, a postmenopausal woman, uh, they're not natural at all. I mean, they're, they're estrogens that are derived from horse urine, and they're not progesterone, they're progestins, which are analogs of progesterone, the natural hormone that is critically important for a woman's health. So what they're offering this woman is, is nothing of benefit at all. Um, and so the, the woman's saying well you know what do i do well wh- one thing to do is to optimize your dha level you can do that on your own and then find a doctor that understands bioidentical hormones uh, and they can get, you know and you can test for these things you know, knowledge is power and most of the time uh, women go to the doctor and and the doctor says oh you know everything's okay you're, you're normal and the, the proper response is I'm normal. Oh no. (laughs) Who wants to be normal? Oh my God. Normal people have four decades of suffering before they die in their mid to late seventies. I don't want to be normal. (laughs) So you have to take matters into your own hands, moderating your intake of caffeine or experiment with getting off caffeine um, and, 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 and understand that you'll be experiencing something remarkable one way or the other um and 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 then understand that DHA is your ally in this in this process called aging that if you don't pay attention to that nothing else is going to work very well mm-hmm. uh, you could have the best diet you could exercise daily uh you could meditate you can drink your carrot juice you can do anything but if your DHA levels are falling, none of those wonderful practices and behaviors are going to amount to much. Mm. I I hope I'm I hope I'm uh emphasizing that enough.
0: (laughs) No, no, and just to paint the picture again to rewind, so if you're constantly pumping you're if you're chronically getting yourself into this level of fight or flight, if you're chronically stressed out, whether that's during the ingestion of coffee, or just some type of external stressor, it could be EMFs or always looking at uh, blue light, whatever it may be, your cortisol and your DHEA have an inverse relationship. Just restating that, some things require repeating in order to get in there. Uh, So your DHEA is always going to be lowered the more that you are in this stressed out state. You're exactly right. You're exactly right.
1: Which is not to say that you can you know, supplement with DHA and continue to live a maxed out, stressed out, crazy life. There is there is a a something that I always, I mean, having been a meditator for you know over fifty years, um, there is something really important about taking a, a a look at your life and seeing how you can reduce stress um, and and optimize resilience.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I'm with that. And that's the whole idea behind the podcast is to give people these little hints and these little insights into looking into other alternative methods, because as you mentioned, the physicians aren't asking these type of questions. They're saying, oh, you look normal. You look great. That's your, you're the, They're looking at numbers of your blood work. They're not actually listening to the person for whatever reason. If you want to go into that, you could uh, please enlighten us why that is the case. But for those that don't know, if you're not watching this um, on YouTube, Stephen, he just celebrated his 75th birthday and he looks like a ball of energy. The theme of his party was so far so good. And I say that he's absolutely doing something right. So I would take a page from his book and I, I'm actually going to purchase the DHA book right after this podcast because I want to dive more into that myself. So just
1: well, you you can I mean a, a simple shortcut for people that don't want to order a book that I wrote in 1996 <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm happy to give anybody uh, an ebook uh, that I wrote called The Case for DHA uh, and the case for DHA is I, w- I wrote that to respond to all the critics that came up after I wrote, the DHA breakthrough, because, you know, pendulum swings in the media, right? So, you know, when I wrote DHA breakthrough, um, it became an international bestseller in about six months. Um, and then the, the the backlash against that was fairly swift. And, and so I wrote the case for DHA to answer all of the critics that came out of the woodwork to say that, you know, I was making a mistake or reporting the the medical literature inappropriately So I'm happy to send the case for DHA to anybody um, and uh, you know you can send me an email uh, or 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 go to uh, my2048.com my20 my2048.com um, go there um, and you'll see that there's a there's a an SKU uh, for the uh, the case for DHA and the price is zero.
0: Nice. Yeah. I will include that in the show notes. So right. thank you for that one, brother. Now, when I switched over to coffee, personally, uh, this isn't to kind of put anyone on a blast or anything like that, but it's just kind of what I fell into. I, I looked into the Bulletproof diet. So I, I kind of went through Dave Asprey's stuff. And obviously, he was with Bulletproof, he was putting out these coffee products and Uh, The claim was that it is free of any molds and any toxins. So it's not going to give you this kind of wiry feeling or this um, like it's not going to give you the jitters that some coffees will. And I I will honestly say I'm not trying to promote his products, but when I did consume those uh, instead of like a Starbucks coffee, I did feel more clear. I did feel more alert. So there may be some truth into there, um, but the claim was that coffee is neuroprotective. Now, I believe that you would say that it's not, and it's actually neurodegenerative. When I kicked the caffeine habit at the time when I was consuming coffee, I would consider myself pretty productive. I thought that it made me better. I felt like uh, I could get a lot done. But when I was doing this, I was kind of like a ping pong ball. It's like I was all over the place very productive but I was always doing I wasn't really resting but now when I'm off of it I can slow things down and I feel like I'm much more efficient at it so is coffee neuroprotective or would you say that it's neurodegenerative
1: the the only way coffee could be considered neuroprotective is that there's because don't forget there are hundreds of chemicals in in coffee hundreds of chemicals in coffee and interestingly many of those chemicals of have, have antioxidant activity so, so, if you think of of, of uh, a, a person who has a, a forblunted diet, somebody that just eats a you know a lot of crap um, and doesn't have a doesn't eat a highly varied natural foods diet, and so they're not getting a lot of antioxidants. Interestingly, for that person, uh, coffee could be their main source of antioxidants, which is frightening, but but it's 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 probably common. So, for a person who's who's not getting a rich uh, palette of, of of deeply colored fruits and vegetables, uh, for that person, it, it, you know, their their coffee could be their only source of antioxidants, and in that view, it would be considered uh, neuroprotective, but only as an antioxidant. Certainly not as not, not in any way, shape, or form neuroprotective um dha is neuroprotective in fact dha is 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 considered to be the most important neurosteroid uh, and again i'll say it dha is made in the brain why <laughs> for the purpose of repair and regeneration um everything we learned back in the 60s and 70s about the brain all of that has been thrown out because in in the late 80s, it was discovered that the brain makes DHEA. So guess what? you do you can make new brain cells. You can make new neurons. You can make new synapses, but not if your DHA levels are are f- f- plummeting. <laughs> so so again, um, somebody that is claiming that that caffeine is neuroprotective, uh, aside from the antioxidant effect, um, they got a they got a
0: long way to show that, any evidence of that. Mm-hmm. I, I can see how that could be a quite a bit confusing because as you mentioned before, it's coffee would be pro-inflammatory, but then it also can provide some antioxidants. So I guess yep. you got to look at the bigger picture and also just zoom out and see overall how someone is living their life. Yes, thank you. Yes, absolutely,
1: it, it, it's, it's um, because we're all so busy and, and we're getting busier, um, there tends to be a, um, and because we're all bombarded with so much information, I mean, it's, it, it's you, you know, you were, you were kind to mention that the motto that my wife and I have for the Healthy Skeptics is what to explore and what to ignore because in, I think it was 1972, um, I I went to a conference in in Fordham University in New York City, um, (laughs) where the keynote address uh, was being given um, by a a neurochemist who said that in the near future, um, we will be inundated with information. Most of it er irrelevant and much of it erroneous so that your life will depend on what you explore and what you ignore that neurochemist was marshall McLuhan. Mm. what you explore and what you ignore will determine to a great extent your quality of life
0: (laughs) i love that i I could definitely see that because it's a lot of noise so the signal is somewhere in there but if you're being bombarded with all this useless information that you can't really apply to your life then you got to learn how to sift through the bs yes
1: and and i will say that when you're when you're highly caffeinated uh it it becomes more difficult to do the sifting that has to be done
0: yeah Uh, yeah because you're you're stuck in like a, a state of doing so what what i mentioned earlier how for the first time in what may seem like decades i'm 30 i'll be 33 this month i honestly finally felt for myself and I, I go back to books like new brave world. I believe it was where it's like the Soma that these people were uh, going for. It's like their drug of choice. It almost seems like we've been provided that with things like coffee or the things like the, the dyes, the artificial dyes in the food, whatever those are doing to our neurochemicals. It's like, those are the drugs of choice for us so that we can kind of, just stay in this state of human doing instead of human being and and focusing on the things that truly should matter we lose sight of that yeah yeah and and again the
1: the the tendency to do that is because there's so much that's distracting and and, and exciting to look at (laughs) right i mean phase social media opened up a whole new realm uh, you know the first one was the internet and that was that was exciting and 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 distracting and and remarkable and then came social media and the whole thing just and and now of course we have ai and it's a whole new world uh, we won't get into that because we don't have time
0: <laughs> no so uh, i didn't intend to uh ask this question but since we're here What would you say to focus on? Because you're 75 years young and you're clearly, in my perspective, doing something right, which is something that I truly admire. And I I admire people that can show a different example, like you're embodying the fact that aging does not have to suck. If you go to your doctor and you're told that you're being you're normal and you're already experiencing all these issues, what? I imagine is going to be taken in that very moment by these people is that oh wow it's only going to go downhill from here so what are the things that you at this age would focus on what do you think is the signal that should be getting through and the noise that should be eliminated well um again um yoga you know
1: my my background is yoga i taught yoga for 30 years um um, traveled to India to get in-depth kind of exposure. Um, and and then, um, and when I was teaching yoga, I saw, you know, what a great benefit it was. And so I would never stop doing that. So flexibility is critically important. Again, as we get older, we tend to become less active and less active often means less flexible. The human body is designed to move when we don't move bad things happen um you know there's a phrase that i heard the other day which is sitting is the new smoking (laughs) right if you sit all day uh, whether it's at a desk or whether it's on your you know barca lounger and watching television the more you sit the, the the more problems that you will experience so being active um you know i'm fortunate my wife and i live on a high bluff overlooking puget sound uh, our daily walk uh takes us down through this winding stream and going down through this deep woods and then all of a sudden you find yourself um at, on the puget sound and depending on the tide there's you know you can go one way or if it's low tide you can go a different way for a different walk experience but it it would be an unusual day that we don't get out there at least once or twice Um, so exercise is important um, and it doesn't have to be strenuous but it has to be consistent Uh, obviously diet a highly varied natural foods diet uh, critically important Um, and then there's the the things that you can do to maintain energy levels and we don't have time to go into all of them but there are compounds that you can ingest uh, which will increase cellular cellular energy production and you got to know that you got to know that it's not it's not it's it's not this dead-end street this thing called aging um you know uh, uh, back in the mid-70s um, I'm in a physiology class, and we're learning in depth about the Krebs cycle and 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 how it creates ATP, and then all the different ways that the body feeds uh, compounds into the Krebs cycle. And so, as I'm watching this unfold in front of me in the slides, um, the five o'clock position in the Krebs cycle was is alpha-ketoglutaric acid, and since all the other you know organic acids citric acid and succinate and all the rest of them can be obtained from food i asked you know well where do we get alpha-ketoglutarate um and the professor said well there's no food that provides alpha-ketoglutarate your body has to make that and i said oh uh and will i always make an abundance of alpha-ketoglutarate because it's the rate limiting step in the krebs cycle Interesting, uh, and he said, "No, you know, as you get older, you'll produce less, and and then you'll end up looking like me, and that'll be that. That'll be that." I wrote down in my notebook, "Find alpha keto <laughs> and a couple of decades later, um, I found it. I mean, it wasn't me, but it was it was stabilized by a group in Milan. Um, I went, uh, I went, I got on a plane and came back with a couple of kilos of pure alpha keto Um, And and fed it to our our track and field team in 1984, and they won more gold medals that year than any prior or subsequent team. So alpha keto is one of these bioenergetic compounds. Coenzyme Q10, a bioenergetic compound. Um, NMN, um, you know, uh, nicotinamide riboside, a bioenergetic compound, and 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 we talk about all of them is a shameless plug we talk about all of them in the metabolic makeover uh, because energy really is the name of the game and and you can use these compounds um to uh, you know simple things like beta alanine and and citrulline that can increase circulation and if you increase circulation that means more oxygen and more more fuel is getting to your muscles so all of these things you can utilize to generate real energy then you don't have to depend on the caffeine
0: Hmm. i think you know what i just wrote down the alpha ketoglutarate oh yeah
1: (laughs) find alpha (laughs) ketoglutarate Well, I mean it's it's is is just one of those wonderful things. Um uh, and, and I'm not gonna say that the eighty-four track and field team was all due to Alpha Keter Carl Lewis had a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh but yes, since then I've I've helped to train world record holders in mountaineering, martial arts, wrestling, freestyle, and greco. Um and and it's been it's, yeah, you know, so for a long time I was focused on sports. Um, but now I'm focused on the average person enjoying their their 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond.
0: Because we all need energy. It's everyone's yeah. currency. Yeah. yeah. I did not know that about you, so you learned something new. That's awesome. <laughs> right. So jumping back to the the caffeine. Uh yeah. what uh what are some hidden sources of caffeine that people may not realize? that they're ingesting that is contributing to their overall caffeine intake?
1: Well the big hidden source of caffeine was outlawed by the FDA back in the uh, late 80s. Um, and, and and that was uh, ma Mahuang. Uh, and it's a thank goodness I mean and the only reason the FDA banned Mahuang uh, is because uh, people were dying, <laughs> All right. Um And 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 so that's that that was the main source. But you you got nut, cola nut, uh, guarana. Um, these are these are three common hidden sources of caffeine. And again, the FDA has said, hey, if you're going to use nut, cola nut, or guarana, you ought to disclose how much. Or, or green tea, you ought to disclose how much caffeine your your you're providing for your customers. So there are there are products now where, where I see added caffeine X number of milligrams. And I really, you know, when I see that on a company's label, oftentimes I'll just send them a, a thank you. Uh, because that's really, it's really responsible um, uh, commerce. Uh, because remember, green tea, when you have a cup of green tea, that's only 35 milligrams of caffeine. Uh, and that green tea also contains some theanine. So the it has a blunting effect on the small amount of caffeine that was in there in the first place. But when you buy an energy product uh, and it's got green tea, it wasn't just green tea that they dried up and powdered the leaves and put it in the product. No, it can be a concentrate that contains astronomic levels of caffeine because of the ability that we have to manipulate uh these compounds so green tea can be not it's not a a green tea cup is, is not a significant source of caffeine i think 35 milligrams is is not that much but a green tea extract um or a guarana guarana is about guarana as it's as it's you know farmed in in south america is only about nine percent caffeine by weight uh but you can you can refine guarana to be like 80 percent caffeine Mm. so you have to be mindful of that busy nut cola nut are not as common as they once were um yeah those are the main hidden sources of caffeine but but you have to understand that that a kilo of synthetic caffeine from china only costs about twenty five dollars. Mm. A kilo of synthetic caffeine from China—it's about twenty five dollars. Which means that if you're making an energy product, you're going to lace it with caffeine, and you might not even—you might not even be that serious about disclosing how much. Because don't forget, yeah. you know, Starbucks got nailed for spiking their coffee with pure caffeine. Mm. They don't do that anymore, but. In the early days of Starbucks, uh, they were spiking their drinks, which is why they became so popular so fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, people, people got a bigger buzz. You know, it's
0: like no wonder they loved it so much. <laughs> ah, so why? Um, I guess these would be the the last questions that I have for you today, but. The withdrawal symptoms that I experienced were definitely not pleasant. They only lasted for about two days. Uh, what I personally experienced to any of the listeners that are considering this, just to let you know, if you decide to go cold turkey, uh, Stephen definitely has a uh, way to mitigate this. So I'll let him explain that. What I experienced was a, bit of, a little bit of like malaise, uh, like dread, almost like a state of depression, very, very low energy. And terrible, terrible headaches. It was like uh, pressure behind my eyes for two days, and I knew that this would subside and there would be light at the end of the tunnel. But uh, Stephen, why why do we get these withdrawal like symptoms? Which shows me that it is truly a drug. And how would you suggest mitigating these symptoms? What's an easier way to get off the bean? All right. Um, number one is is to go slow,
1: um, and and so you don't. I don't recommend cold turkey. If if that's your choice, that's that that, that works too, but but go slow. Just re, just reduce, 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 and then replace, replace, replace. Um, if, if coffee uh, is 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 part of your ritual, um, you can buy, uh, Ticino is my favorite non uh, caffeine. Um, uh, alternative and the nice thing about Ticino T-E-E-C-C-I-N-O I think about Ticino is that there's various flavors um, and you you brew it just like you brew coffee so you can you can have your same ritual of brewing and and the aromas and the smells and all that but there's zero caffeine in Ticino so there and there's other uh, there's other compound or other products on the market that do the same thing Um, and, and at the same time uh, you have to understand that the caffeine constricts blood vessels in the brain. I'll say it again. Caffeine reduces circulation, reduces cerebral circulation. And so when you, when you stop drinking caffeine, all those blood vessels that, that were clamped down now open up, which is where the headache comes from. Oh, you I mean, while I was drinking coffee, i was reducing circulation in my brain and when i stopped drinking coffee those blood vessels then (laughs) dilated and that's the source of my headache wow (laughs) so that's an uh aha that everyone should know that the source of the headache is because you're you're restoring circulation (laughs) to your brain um Anyway, so there's so there's that. So number one is go slow, replace instead of just uh, just going cold turkey, um, and then look at the bioenergetics. Look to get yourself out of the funk um, with either either with music because there's energetic music i mean i can energize this entire house when i wake up in the morning <laughs> i can fill the house with the brandenburg concerto because all i have to do is say hey alexa play the brandenburg concerto at volume 10 right so i mean there's ways that you can ex- can, can express and experience um energy uh, and also, there's the bioenergetics. And again, I would highly recommend alpha ketoglutarate, coenzyme Q10, uh, D ribose uh, is another bioenergetic compound. And then please do supplement with DHEA. It'll make it a whole lot easier uh, for you to experience. You know, in our product called Synergized DHEA, it says in the bottle can do in a capsule,
0: mm. right?
1: Yep because it 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 produces a sense of resilience and 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 you know we talk about a a study that was done with navy seal recruits in the in the navy seal program um the, the 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 men who passed versus the men who failed the only thing that was different when they looked at the blood tests of these two groups the only thing that was different was the men who passed the Navy SEAL tests, which is an arduous, week-long testing program, the only thing that was different on their blood tests was the level of DHEA. The mm-hmm. ones who passed at a higher level of DHEA compared to the ones who failed.
0: Can't do in a capsule. Interesting. I have more research to do, for sure. <laughs> so, uh, so I lied. Would Would you say that there's a tolerable limit of caffeine then?
1: yeah i would um and and for different people it's gonna be different um uh, I'm a rapid metabolizer um and uh and i I know that because I was I was working in a testing lab where <laughs> we could we could do that we could run that test so I'm a rapid metabolizer I can have a cup of coffee in the morning um and it, it's you know it's just something that I do. My wife is a slow metabolizer if she if she has this, the same amount of coffee as me, which is usually about um maybe one mug um you know she'll she'll have adverse effects probably within a couple hours yeah. um so so again it, it it's an individual thing the thing to do is to and it's not that you you have to go and have an expensive genetic test um if you want to that's fine it's available but the other way to do it is like you did uh james which is to simply um you know get off the bean For a period of time, see how you feel, Um, and then and then try a little caffeine. And if you feel like that rapid heartbeat, um, sense of of uh, foreboding, um, then it's it's not a not a drug that you should play with. But for a lot of people, especially fast metabolizers, a moderate amount. I can't I can't think of anything adverse. For a moderate amount, is just that
0: moderate is really hard to define. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's individualized, and you won't really know until you've kind of cleaned your system and gotten rid of it. Then re- try reintroducing. It. It's it's almost like a like foods too. It's like yep. you never know what how something is affecting you until you kind of take it away, then slowly reintroduce it to see if it's actually for you. Yep, exactly. Simple. Awesome. Well, Stephen, I want to thank you so much for your time, brother. I hope to have you back on in the future to talk about DHA once I've even <laughs> more, once I've done my bit of research. That way I know what to ask. Uh, where where can people find you and your work? I know that you mentioned the my2048.com. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes for the, the DHA article that you mentioned. But where else can people find you? Are you on social media?
1: On social media, um, we spend a good amount of time on Facebook. So Steven Chernisky on Facebook. Um, there's, there's, I think there's a couple of Steven Cherniskis. I'm the biochemist, um, and um, you know, and, and so there's a newsletter that we've that we've been doing for years, um, and we just, we just, uh, you know, the, the big seven five was it was meaningful for me, um, so after the parties were over <laughs> we rented a resort and we had three days of parties with family and friends it was a blast it was great but when the when you know all the cleanup was done uh, and we uh, we checked out of the resort um you know Natalie and I sat down and said so uh, what's next and both of us felt like that this should be a rededication to a weekly newsletter um so so if you go to my Facebook page, uh, today, uh, you'll see a, 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 a piece that I just finished writing before this interview, uh, which was um, called Birthdays and Breakthroughs. So look forward to conversing with any and all of you on uh, on Facebook. I find Facebook to be very useful.
0: Awesome. I will check that out myself. So far, so good. So far, so good. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much again for your time, Stephen. You're welcome.